Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our continuation of our NBA draft analysis series, and today we're going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. So the New Orleans Pelicans have four picks in this year's draft. They have the 13th overall pick, the 39th overall pick, the 43rd overall pick, and the 60th overall pick. So, Jalen, with with this many picks, do you think New Orleans is going to trade one of them? Yeah, I'm like 90% certain that they maybe only use two of them. And if not, it's just because they can't move off of them, but... This is a perfect scenario for David Griffin to show off a little bit more of his GM skill beyond being able to casually, gracefully even move off of a guy like Anthony Davis and end up with a guy like Zion Williamson in his lap, along with guys like Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, all these guys as part of the transaction for AD. Obviously, Zion Williamson was a number overall pick, which they number one overall pick, which they were able to acquire via the draft lottery and then everything else was a excellent package acquired for a guy of the status of a guy like Anthony Davis. But the pick I do not think they will trade is their 13th overall lottery pick. Ryan, who in the world fits in the lottery aspect back end of the lottery for this New Orleans Pelicans team that is full chalk full even of talent and kind of just needs more guys to be able to produce. I think New Orleans is going to select Kira Lewis Jr. of Alabama. I mentioned him on the last episode when we were talking about Minnesota. He's a guy who averaged 18-5 and last season, an explosive scorer. I mentioned that he was maybe one of the fastest guards in this draft, and he's dangerous when he gets out on the open court. Kira Lewis was able to step up and become a shot creator, and a much better passer while at Alabama. And I think being one of the fastest players in this draft, I think he would fit in an up-tempo, fast-paced offense in New Orleans. If this pick signals anything, I think Lonzo Ball's time in New Orleans is up. Kira Lewis really has the ability to become an instant starter on a young team with a lot of potential. And I feel like sooner or later, we could be seeing Kira Lewis throw up lobs to Zion Williamson. I mean, that's extremely interesting to be talking about moving off from a guy like Lonzo Ball after only really, what, one year of having him on the team. Hasn't really lived up to the number two overall pick yet, though. I will agree with that portion of uh, of the analysis because he has gotten a lot of uh, – a lot. he's got a lot of underwhelming performances, which is going to make it something where you're not going to be able to debate too heavily against the idea of moving away from Lonzo Ball. Here's the thing, though. They most likely in a lot of alternate universes where the New Orleans Pelicans are in a weird position regarding Brandon Ingram, which they are. I think this is the perfect draft scenario spot in which Devin Vassell, Aaron Neesmith, and Sadiq Bey, the three main three and D wings that have been discussed throughout this entire draft process are all on the table. Now, the guy who seems like he'll fall into this 
makes the best will probably be like be a guy like Devin Vassell. But I think the other guy who would probably fit better is our guy Sadiq Bey. I genuinely feel as though they need to be able to get a guy who can shoot the three, stretch the court. He's a guy who shot 45% from three, 47% from NBA three-point range, which is really huge in terms of being able to rely on him being able to translate at the next level. He was never a high-volume scorer at all, which is pretty good when you're talking about trying to make a team centerpiece around Zion Williamson being the main focal point. So I think there was this instance where before Zion Williamson was a pillar of the New Orleans Pelicans, Brandon Ingram was able to blossom, and that's why we saw him become an an, an all-star. And I think with Zion Williamson being the main focal point of the offense, I don't think that's duplicable for Brandon Ingram, which I think puts him in a position where they don't necessarily need to retain him because they know who the guy is. It's Zion Williamson. So give the guy somebody to kick out to, to shoot threes, somebody who's reliable in terms of being able to be a cog within the offense, plus defender, which is great on a team that, although we can talk about Lonzo Ball in terms of his ability to show up on the stat sheet, he definitely is an active hands disruptor within zone off zone defensive schemes. I think, Adding a guy like Sadiq Bey might be the ultimate move if they lose a guy like B.I. because you can sprinkle Sadiq Bey in. And honestly, although you might lose offensive production in terms of volume, I think his ability to contribute, I don't think you lose anything there because he's a guy who you can drop into their system and instantly give you give you buckets, boards, and defense as just a simple – like I said earlier, another simple cog in the overall system of this team that likes to run up and down. I think the interesting thing about this entire team now is we're not going to see the high-paced Lionel Hollins, um, Mike D'Antoni-esque run up the court, run up and down the court um, team that you know we saw last season. Um, Stan Van Gundy is the coach now, and I think he's going to I think he's going to preach defense he, um, immensely which I think is even more of a reason why I think a guy like Sadiq Bey might be the guy. And I think on top of that, I think this is a team that we're going to see a lot more wrinkles from when we see their overall game rather than, than them being limited to being a team that seems to only thrive in the uh, in transition, basically. It seems like that's the only time where we really saw the New Orleans Pelicans really take off. So, yeah, I think that's huge. Moving on to the second round, though, Ryan, I mean – I don't know, man, 39, 42, 60. Look, rather than us trying to discuss each and every one of these picks, because it's just going to be a drag, dude. I mean, I think it's just going to be kind of a lot to unpack. And they have a lot of – it's similar to – it's kind of similar to the Boston Celtics situation. I genuinely believe that they have a lot of rotational players on their team already. And I genuinely just think New Orleans just needs one or two guys, and I don't know why they would need to use all four of these draft picks. So who are some guys in the second round that you'd like New Orleans to keep their eyes on, regardless of if it's at 42 or if it's as low as 60? Who are some guys in the second round that you think the New Orleans Pelicans should definitely have on their big board come draft night? Well, I mentioned Killian Tilly last episode. Um, I do believe he is the most polished player in this draft. Definitely a guy who can fill that small forward role if Brandon Ingram does not stick around. I think another guy is Isaiah Levers from Michigan. 
We haven't talked about Isaiah Livers a lot on this show. And I think having a guy like Livers who gives you a lot of experience, Isaiah Livers is a guy who can who you should keep your eye on. I did mention, you know, trying to get a point guard, maybe just giving up on Lonzo Ball. Skylar Mays, who I mentioned with the uh, Pacers episode, Skylar Mays is a guy who is really explosive at LSU, and he's a guy who can give you 15 a night. So I think that there's a chance that, you know, they look at a couple guys like Livers, Killian Tilly, Skylar Mays, and possibly draft them in the second round. Well, listen, bro, it's Stan Van Gundy. I need dogs or three-point shooters, period, point blank. So I'm going to mention somebody brand new on the podcast, too, since we're bringing a couple of new faces to everything. And I'm going to go with a guy in Isaiah Joe out of Arkansas, bro. Honestly, you have to remember that this is a this is a team now that kind of has a very Dwight Howard-esque feel to it. That's kind of why I agree with you a little bit in terms of the whole thing with uh, Lonzo Ball being out. I think that they need a guy at the point guard position that can facilitate, but he's got to be able to whack the tray pound because if he cannot shoot the three, it's going to be a struggle for this team to be able to, you know, truly maximize Zion Williamson's potential because although he's a driver, which is completely different from a guy like Dwight Howard, who Stan Van had at one point, he's still a big man who dominates down in the low post and has great passing ability to be able to kick out. So the best way for them to be able to maximize the Stan Van Gundy offense is treat Zion Williamson like Dwight Howard in the early 2000s and give him three-point shooters. Guess what? You already have JJ Redick on the books, so you're already you're already one you're you're two fifths of the way there already. Add a guy in Isaiah Joe right now out of Arkansas, shoots thirty four percent from three, which is a little bit concerning, but he's a guy who shot eighty nine percent from the free throw line. So I think that that's something that you can genuinely build off of. Sixteen point nine points per game nearly a steal and a half per game, shot 40% from NBA range, which I think is a huge plus factor as well on top of his three-point shooting. I genuinely think that's pretty huge. I think another guy who would be really good from a dog mentality standpoint is our good old friend Reggie Perry out of Mississippi State. 17.4 points per game, 10 rebounds. Add that kind of guy as a second as a second unit power forward alongside the physicality and athleticism of a guy like Jackson Hayes. Buckets, boards, he averaged a, a nearly a block and a half per game and nearly a steal per game. He's going to be everywhere on the court for you, and you're going to have two effort guys, two pure effort guys coming off the bench in your front court, which could be huge. And he shot 34% from NBA 3. So he's got a little bit of stretch four in him if you want to be able to slide him there, which is huge. And I think the last thing to take into consideration is Ashton – Hagens, look, now the three-point shot is not there. It's not there at all. If you're looking for the three-point shot, I honestly think that Emmanuel Quickly, his running mate, is probably more of the guy you're looking for. Emmanuel Quickly's three-point transition is going to be – I think it's going to transition transition to the NBA really nicely, shot nearly 43% from three. But Ashton Hagens is a dog, bro. He's a dog. Defensively, he's going to be there. Offensively, he can facilitate the offense, which is what we were mentioning earlier. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I loved him out of Virginia Tech, but I just feel like if it's not summer league, he's not hooping for me. He's not doing anything for me, unfortunately. And 
We need somebody who can facilitate. He plays immense defense, although he only averaged 11 points per game, averaged two steals per game. And he's the guy who shoots 81% from the free throw line. So he's a guy who plays he 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 plays strong. He plays bigger than the the six three frame that he is. He literally has a six six wingspan. He's asking to be a plus defender. And look, they only breed pros out of Kentucky, bro. They only breed pros. Got to get one of them. You got to get one of them. So I think those are the guys to go after. I think it's funny that you just kept mentioning Dwight Howard from the early two thousands and making Zion Williamson basically what Dwight Howard was in the early 2000s. It's almost funny that you brought him up because I think Stan Van Gundy is trying to create, recreate magic, no pun intended, that he did in Orlando. Right now in New Orleans, you already mentioned they have J.J. Reddick. And it's funny because I watched a video on Secret Base, the former SB Nation. They put out a video that's part of their collapse series. It's about Orlando's downfall since Howard left. Literally, all of their players were shooters. J.J. Redick, Mikel Petras, Rashard Lewis, Keto Turkoglu. It's like they were playing four out and then having White in the middle just ready there in the paint, just ready, just ready to post up on the defenders. I mean, they even turned Vince Carter into a three-point shooter at one point. Once upon a time, Jameer Nelson turned into one of the best catch-and-shoot catch and three-point shooters at the point guard position in the league at the time. I'm glad that you brought the video up. I think the biggest thing about it is that philosophy worked then. And what's hilarious is Milwaukee's been doing it with Giannis for the last two years. And it's given them one of the best records, if not the best record in the league, the last two seasons. Guess what else it did? It turned Giannis into an MVP. So I think it's the perfect case scenario for Zion Williamson. They just need to execute. But what's what's the greatest thing about needing to execute, making a making a team make sense? David Griffin upstairs. I mean, the dude always gets first. I mean, basically, most of the time that he's been a G, been a GM between the Cleveland Cavaliers and and now the New Orleans Pelicans, he was getting the first overall pick dang near every year, and now he still gets a lottery pick. Although this team is very talented gets to build off of a lottery pick with a bunch of first-round talents around him. Stan Van Gundy's no slouch. Hey, like you said, no pun intended, let's make some magic in New Orleans. And here's the thing, though. Like, obviously, Jameer Nelson, Richard Lewis, Hito Turkoglu, they're retired, they're done, they're not playing. If you want to try to create that magic, recreate the magic that you had in Orlando with Dwight Howard, you have to make sure that Zion is built around with some talented shooters, J.J. Reck being one of them. I would honestly, hot take alert, I would honestly go and try to trade for Chris Middleton, a solid three-point shooter, definitely fills that small forward role that I mentioned earlier, especially if Brandon Ingram is going to be most likely leaving New Orleans. I think I would try to trade for a guy like him. I think Tobias Harris isn't a bad choice either. Um, I, I'll, I just do, think, I'll do you one better. I'll do you a hot take alert better. Bring Buddy Heald back. Bring Buddy Heald back. One of the yeah. best three-point shooters in the league, disgruntled, quote-unquote, superstar out there in Sacramento. He had a harsh stint when his, in his first couple of seasons outside of Oklahoma. Wooden award winner, by the way. And he is one of those guys 
that pretty much screams everything that you're saying right now, literally screams everything that you're saying. And now he would be in a better position in, in New Orleans better than anything he could have possibly imagined in terms of his first stint there. So I feel like bring a guy like that back, how you make that kind of transaction, extremely interesting because I feel like Drew Holiday is going to be in a lot of talks. I just don't know if Sacramento is going to be one of those guys picking up the phone. So it really just depends on what this team would be looking for in three-point shooters. But Sadiq Bey, I think that's going to be huge in the first round. I think Isaiah Joe, huge in the first round. J.J. Redick, excellent three-point shooter. I think Lonzo Ball, if he can get it right, he's a guy who, who I think as a facilitator already is probably the best version of a facilitating point guard that they could use. I think if we're like doing a ESPN trade machine, I think all roads kind of point to Sacramento at this point, just because I feel like it makes sense to get a guy like Buddy Heald, considering that he is one of the best three-point shooters in the league and nobody really talks about him all that much, considering that, he did not have a great start to his career in New Orleans, and he was able to pick it up in Sacramento. I would honestly try to get De'Aaron Fox in that trade as well if you even want to trade for Buddy Heal, but you're going to have to give up a lot for it, which brings me to my next question. Because they have four picks, and we mentioned this earlier, the likelihood that they trade the last two picks, their 43rd and 60th overall pick, you probably would have to throw in some extra value in there. So Jalen, if we were making a trade scenario that involves both of the second round picks, what would you have to give up in order to get a guy like Buddy Heald or Chris Middleton? Chris Middleton, that's going to be, that's going to be, I, I don't know how you pull that off. I don't see why uh, Milwaukee would want to move off from Chris Middleton because there's nobody on the, there's nobody on New Orleans that, that matches up to what Chris Middleton already gives them. I think Buddy Heald's a little bit of an easier one. He's already a little disgruntled, so it makes his trade value a little lessened by that fact already because the idea is you already know he wants to leave. Um, I think those two trade picks, especially uh, those two picks, are trade assets because of the fact that they're so late. So their value is kind of like what it is. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where – they're going to have to go out on a limb. They're definitely going to have to go out on a limb, and it's going to depend just – it's going to depend on just how badly Sacramento would want to move on from a guy like Buddy Hill because, remember, they lo- They could more than likely – I'm going to just say flat out, I believe, will lose Bogdanovich in this offseason. And, remember, Buddy Hill got regulated to the bench in favor of Bogdanovich. So does Sacramento – does Sacramento favor Bogdanovich more to the point that they would want to bring him back and move on from a guy like Buddy? Or do they know that because they're more than likely going to lose a guy like Bogdanovich, that they really shouldn't move on from a guy like Buddy Heald because you trade him, now you've lost all your two-guard depth. So it's kind of tricky because unless you know what Bogdan's going to – unless you unless you know what Bojan's going to do – or no, Bogdan, I was correct. Unless you know what Bogdan's going to do – it's kind of dicey on whether or not you should really pull the trigger on a buddy heel trade. The interesting thing about what you mentioned about Bogdanovich, I think he's turning out to be a solid player. And I think Sacramento definitely, 
I think they definitely need to keep him. It's just more about what they do with Buddy Heald because Buddy Heald is a guy who you mentioned is disgruntled, but he's also a solid player. The likelihood of him returning to New Orleans would be 50-50 considering that it's pretty much what the trade value is for a guy like Buddy Heald. I think it's pretty high considering that, like I said, he's outside of Steph Curry, he's probably the second best three-point shooter in the NBA. Yeah, Clay Thompson um, too, but fair point. Clay Thompson regardless. as well. I think that when you get a guy like Buddy Heal, I feel like he kind of he improves the value of your offense. I think getting a guy like Buddy Heal seems like the most likely. I wouldn't rule out Tobias Harris either because I have no idea what direction Philadelphia is going to go in. But I think that if you get a guy like Buddy Heald, I think that would help your team. I think if you get a guy like Tobias Harris, that would also help considering he's a very consistent three-point shooter. Either way, you're just looking for shooters to try to recreate that magic. Now, Ryan, I think we've kind of already given up the goods, but I want to start this trend of asking this question to end off podcast. So we might have already given the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you believe is the philosophy of the New Orleans Pelicans this offseason, considering they have a superstar talent and a guy like Zion Williamson? They have young pieces that they could build around if they retain a, if they retain a guy like Brandon Ingram. They already have Lonzo Ball. They have Jackson Hayes. They have Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They still have a guy in Drew Holiday who you know is probably my favorite player for if, if you listen to the podcast enough. What do you think is the overall focus of the New Orleans Pelicans this offseason? Or at least what do you think it should be? So I think they're pretty close to being a playoff team, a perennial playoff team. They were lucky enough to get Zion Williamson. And yes, it did take them time to get onto the court because of injury. For what it's worth, getting Zion may have been the smartest move for New Orleans. In terms of what direction they go with this draft. Like I said, I think you're you're going to try to recreate that early 2000s Magic team where you need to surround Zion Williamson with some shooters. J.J. Reck is already there. We mentioned him. Drew Holiday is a solid player. Brandon Ingram, if he stays, would be a solid addition to this team. I think he's already a great player. He just won most improved player of the year. He's only going up from here. I would also try to focus on bringing in some younger guys as well, maybe that are underrated. Obviously, you look within your roster and you see a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker hasn't been playing well recently, but I think that I would give him a chance. I think that Jackson Hayes is a solid player, definitely fills out that center role. I think it's a nice one-two frontcourt punch uh, with Zion Williams and Jackson Hayes. But your goal is to find shooters in this draft. I mentioned Kira Lewis Jr., who is maybe one of the best scorers in this draft. I would maybe turn to Aaron Neesmith as well and Sadiq Bey, who are solid three-point shooters. So if you want to look for solid mid-range perimeter shooters, Aaron Neesmith is a guy who has a solid mid-range perimeter shooting game. Sadiq Bey, who we mentioned on the podcast before, solid mid-range and perimeter shooting game. There's a lot of options that they can go with, but as a borderline perennial playoff team, you need to build for 
contending in the playoff. Dude, I'm going to make it simple. You're bringing back Stan Van Gundy, who has not coached in the league for a little small minute. I mean, his stint with Detroit, I can't even really call it coaching all the way because he was having to wear both hats. He was running GM too. So in terms of being a strict coach, it's been a little while. Things are a little different. So my philosophy is simple. David Griffin, help this man Stan Van Gundy remember the good old days of 2008. 2008-2009 NBA Finals was this height moment in terms of a guy like Stan Van Gundy being able to coach the Magic team to the NBA Finals. I think you need to be able to put a team around Zion Williamson that mimics as close to that championship team for Orlando as you possibly can. Because guess what? It makes Zion Williamson comfortable in terms of his supporting cast. But guess who else it makes it comfortable for? The coach who is used to seeing that kind of play style make Stan Van Gundy and Zion Williamson the most comfortable they can be because at the end of the day, they're the two pillar guys moving forward for the next four to five years in terms of being able to make this team what Ryan calls a perennial playoff team. Run it back to 2008, guys. Simple. I mean, check. I mean, just check it out. I mean, Ryan listened, listed a lot of different guys who fit the mold of potential plug-and-play players for this team. There's a lot of trade scenarios that we did discuss already. Give this man some three-point shooters and make, make Stan Van Gundy feel at home. Give Zion Williamson somebody to kick the ball out to because it will maximize him. We saw it with D- Dwight Howard. We've seen in the last two years with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Zion Williamson, it is your turn to get a little bit of, you know, the magic pretty much. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what do you believe the philosophy of the New Orleans Pelicans will be going into draft night? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get our podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.